All right. So I'm I'm reading this absolutely fantastic old book from Homer for the first time, mm-hmm. which is the Iliad, right? And which so is about war, correct? Right. It's but it's way about way more than that. But the setup is ten days within the ten year period of the Trojan War, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 so it's a story about Achilles and Achilles fame is kind of connected to his doom and there's a lot of going on there and then there's the death of yeah. Patroclus his his um cousin by the hands of Hector then mm-hmm. the ultimate fight between Achilles and Hector and 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 so on and so forth so the whole thing that Achilles dies and with the Trojan horse that is another fragment of another writer of that time that isn't actually part of the Iliad so it's mm-hmm. it stops the, the Iliad stops with the burial of Patroclus, basically. Right. So right. And it's an interesting thing because it's 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 a little bit weird to read it because it's like this in this hexa hexagon kind of meter. Uh, I needed like two days to get into it, but it's a great book. So you have you have the layer of human affairs, and you mm-hmm. have the layer of the godly affairs. And so the gods are always kind of interfering with with the affairs of man because they have a quarrel with with each other, right? And so mm-hmm. they, what they do is they they brief feelings and moods and to people, right? And so they to to motivate them to make certain decisions. And so they're interfering all the time. And what's interesting is that it's such an old book; it's nearly three thousand years old, and, th- and therefore like kind of older than than the Bible, let's say. That yeah. you know these are archetypal forms and uh, uh, action patterns like in in the truest form and i was thinking the book starts also the the, the movie from wolfgang petersen it's very it's very close in, in terms of dialogue to mm-hmm. to that book you know and so you have you have like this thing where um the doom the 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 fa- the glory on and the fate uh, of achilles is is tightly connected to his doom so he has like this this kind of thing where his mother Tetis, which is a goddess, says you can mm-hmm. you can have like an easy life and you know you can have kids and you can be old and and your kids will remember you and you will be happy, but afterwards the generations will kind of forget you, um, or or you will be glorious and famous. Or you can be famous, yes, right. But you right, will right. die. And I was uh-huh. like, that's. I was always thinking, you know, that's that's such a true archetype. You know, if you think about um, Jim Morrison. It's the same thing. Yeah, the, the hero thing. has to die, right? In, yeah, in and the sense. hero has to be driven. The hero has to have a conflict to step out of the mediocrity of life and want something more. But the impetus, the motivation for this is always, now we kind of frame it as a pathology. But it's like yeah. even Achilles had like, no, I, I, can't, I can't be in the now. I must strive to be eternal always mm. infinite you know and so there's like this thing and and that's the doom that thing that propels yeah. him to do to, to be special is the same thing that brings it brings death to him and it's so, the same thing and actually the last temptation of christ you know that word or christ like like uh is like oh you, you don't have to be on the cross uh i don't know if you remember remember this book and also the movie, you could just have an ordinary life, just go right. in and get married to Mary Magdalene or, or whatever, yeah. and, and it would be all over. Don't worry about it. And then he, of course, um, he has to accept his his crucifixion and his fate rather than just having an ordinary life. 
Uh-huh. It exactly. to, yeah, it's about making the ultimate sacrifice in a sense. Exactly. But he's also driven. And so, and that's the interesting thing because, you know, um, Jim Morrison couldn't, could not resist the temptation because th mm -hmm. those people, those archetypes, they, they can't. And is there really a temptation or is it just the, 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 the fates that are just, you know, is there just a fate that is, you know, that is, it's like an acorn becomes a tree. It's like, it's, it's in, that, within him. Yes. And it can only become that. He can only be that. Right. That's just why in Greek uh, mythology, they talk a lot about the fates. Right. right. We don't normally think that way because we have this sort of silly modern illusion that we're in control of our lives and we can make choices and that kind of thing. Right. Whereas, uh, whereas most of what's happening to us is sort of governed by the gods, really the fates, you know? Right. It's not an, it's not an, it's not an, it's not an archaic way of thinking. It's actually true. We're, we're, we're controlled and governed by, by higher principles and powers and principalities that are, that are, that are directing us in a certain way. And, 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 and we, we get possessed by them and, and then we have to play out that particular drama. It's not like we are isolated autonomous, uh, uh, you know, individuals have a single, have a choice and there's, you know, uh, there's not, there's no heaven above, no hell below. And, and there's, you know, just like, okay, I'm going to do this. And, <laughs> but, um, but I think that the ancient way of looking at things was in some ways very much more wise you know what's interesting? So when you exactly because if you if you read that book, so it's not just the fate of Achilles and something that comes, you know, out of the blue in a kind of way, because it it emerges because there are also the whole slew and slate of the other archetypes. Mm -hmm. Right? There's like mm -hmm. there's like this beautiful Helena that kind of revels that she brings destruction to everybody. Right. Like like, you know, mm -hmm. it's like the narcissistic, beautiful woman of today. You know, she's like, oh, no, no, she she wrecks havoc in a kind of way. That's Helena. It's like and she has to fulfill his arch her archetype and her fate. And then you have Hector. It's like the the consul of Troya. Troya can't be taken uh, with him being the the consul in a kind of way. And so but he's like he, he doesn't he doesn't want to step out of his fate. He does. He is not driven. And you have all these figures that that are kind of set up in a way that the only authentic way of Achilles to behave is to strive to something more you know so his mm -hmm. fate and is, is tightly connected to the fate of everyone else and because they are it's, it's such a deep substructure of action patterns and humans human behavior it's like it's it's super interesting to see how how the, the mechanics of all work mm -hmm. because all, all is set in motion be, be, because paris has to choose between different women and so and and so he chooses helena and so the the goddesses are kind of offended by it and all that sets that kind of uh the whole yeah there's a, there's an intense interactivity between all the other archetypes they're not isolated yes. at all each affects each other it's sort of fractal and it's also what what is below is above at the same time and and so every action has a sort of a a, a consequence, right? Right. Yeah. And who who is that Jungian uh, philosopher? James Hillman was. Oh, he was always sort of promoting polytheism because he thought in, in psychology, because he thought it was it was it was a a more just way of looking at the world than you know. The, it's actually not that. It's not that there's a bunch of archetypes, you know, and we can choose which archetype 
we want to fulfill. It's that the archetypes are choosing us all the time, right? right. Uh, the gods are, 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 we don't control the gods. We think we do. This is the illusion, the Promethean illusion of today is that we kind of control everything and we're going to be able to, you know, create a utopia with AI and, and all that. But but it's actually that we are we are we are at the service and at the mercy of all the archetypes, right? Um, uh, so he he thought that we should have we should, he wanted to bring back a polytheism in a sense to understand the multiplicity of God, right? And and it's interesting it was an interesting theory because there's monotheism, which which is like probably invented by the Zoroastrians and the Jews and and and, uh, and Christianity was 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 that. This multiplicity is what is ultimately destructive, right? And there's just one God or one overarching principle, and we have to, you have to give up all the all the gods and and just there's no other God but but Yahweh or, or whatever. Um, that there's a there's a potential for totalitarianism in that, just as there is as there is a potential for you know paganism run amok and human sacrifice and uh, you know on the other. On the other extreme, yeah. so I think we need this sort of a balance between the the gods and God, or the divine and the divine attributes. Right. Now you know it's like uh, again what what I'm thinking you know or what I was thinking when I was reading when I'm still reading this book is the this theory about Julian Jaynes again you know the the theory of the bicameral mind because you mm. know when you look at this book one word or two three kind of words never appear it's I me and mine. Mm -hmm. it's not part of their vocabulary at least not in that book and so julian james argued that these kind of words didn't exist and so the whole notion of of i me and mine and so and his his idea was that because there was not such a notion you know these these voices you know that we all have inside of us they were mm -hmm. attributed mm -hmm. as, personified. as the outside because it's like so weird if you know the the, the idea that there's a god and that God breathes emotions into you, right? And mm -hmm. so it breathes like anger or, or jealousy or whatever. And so now, and his argument is, we were not evolutionary, not at that point that we had integrated these kinds of voices, but these are, you know, deeply internal voices. You know, now we say, oh no, I'm I'm jealous. I'm I got angry. You know, there's this mm -hmm. I, this subject, this this intense subjectivity going on. We subjectivize so, the gods in, in a way. Yeah, yeah, and, right. and that's his theory. And so, if you read it, that makes if you read the Iliad, that makes absolutely sense. You know, because mm -hmm. because the point is that everybody behaves absolutely childish. Why? Yeah. Because when it's it, because jealousy, anger, it's it's not childish in the way that it's that it's you know. Um, something for the children but it's because it's absolutely unfiltered right yeah it's like, right it's like the first impulse yeah and then yeah that's very interesting yeah because so there's so on, on the one hand the ancient people were much more real because they were they didn't they weren't they they weren't separate from the world right from the movements of of the gods, right? The movements of jealousy, anger, Mars and Jupiter, and you know they were they were they were they were embodying those completely. On the other hand, they didn't have this objectivity that the, they could they could step outside and look at it and analyze it and you know and and, and psychologize and philosophize about it. it. It was just all happening. And when we learned to psychologize and philosophize, and the more textual we got, the more analytical we got, the more philosophical we got, the more we kind of lost that primeval primordial you know state 
And then there's a sense that we have to return to it in a way, because if, if, if we don't, we're just, we become just fragmented postmodern beings who, who, who don't, who are, or have no connection to the gods. Right. Um, and, and we become sort of random and irrelevant and, and, you know, uh, just arbitrary. Right. So, um, so, so, so I think, I think there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a way in which it's like per- paradise is lost in modernity. And then there's, there's a regaining of, 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 there's, there, there has to be a regaining of that, of, of that primordiality in order to become fully, you know, embodied humans. Yeah. It's so interesting if you use a, a metaphor from uh, from from Peter Sloterdijk with the spheres and the bubbles, you know. So he, he conceptualizes the world as a as bubbles and spheres and 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 mm. and so on. And so like for for them, for for these ancient people like three thousand years ago, if an emotion like anger appeared or wrath or something like this or jealousy, that was the bubble. That was the the emergence of a certain goddess that was not well integrated yet. It was like the 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 experiencing subject was somewhat at the margins of it. You know, it's mm-hmm. like oh mm-hmm. oh there there's Mars again. There's there's Persephone again and Jupiter and Zeus and you know it's like it, it wasn't yet integrated and that's you know that kind of worldview that. That the, that the emergence of anger was the 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 signal of the god himself. That's the interesting thing, you know. So have we integrated it today? Uh, if we or I? No, I mean, you, I mean, you said we have. We, you said we. So the society we don't have the gods. We're not like praying to. Um, most people are not, you know. Praying to to Mars and Jupiter, and, and or, or you know, most people don't wake up in the morning and say hello to the the god of the sun, or you know, these kind of. We've lost all that because I mean, your theory is that we've integrated that, and and and, and that's what I'm questioning. I mean, well, it's because we still have wars and we still have the same kind yes. of behaviors going on. Uh, that's and, true, that's and we're still as irrational as we ever were. We're not. We we just don't. We just don't name them. You don't, we don't we don't uh, um, attach cosmic we don't mythologize mythologize them or attach cosmic significance to them particularly. Yeah, but isn't that you know in psychological terms that's just a shadow? You know when you suppress kind of certain things and then then you 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 act it you act them out in a different way. You know it's like mm-hmm. a, you know uh, what I mean is like ev- everybody should know that they're kind of responsible for their own feelings. Yet yeah. we are kind of sometimes possessed by, you know, uh, egregores or ghouls or, you know, it's like when when a certain collective uh, a manifestation of certain feelings g- grabs hold of us. You know, it's like, oh, no, it's like um, what what's happening in France right now? The people are upset, obviously, because of the, the, the you know, um, the age of retirement. But it's still a collective emotion that grabs hold of the people in Paris. <laughs> no? Yeah. 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 I mean, isn't yeah. that what you're saying or Yeah, uh, well I'm saying that uh, the gods are still with us, so they just they're just not personified um so much and we we psycho- we tend to our gods are now psychological or, or they're you know, we talk about drives and <laughs> things like that, right? We talk about drives and 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 ego and the super ego and you know, behaviors as, as uh, irrational behaviors and and uh, you know we've 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 analyzed everything to death, right? 
But, yeah, but the, uh, point, the point, as, as far as I understand what you're saying, and, 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 you know, as far as I understand our, our history, you, you and mine, about conversations we had on this podcast. And mm -hmm. so there is, uh, in, in, in spiritual uh, uh, traditions, there's always this kind of technique, this meditative te technique, meditative technique that you kind of invoke or embody a, a, a type of god you know it's like mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. the meditation on the god forms let's say mercury or mars like you you sit into the you, you get into the meditation you invoke that kind of god form and yeah. um you know say mercury and then you get an in-depth uh, embodiment and feeling what that original uh, archetypal energy means mm -hmm. you know it's like you you have that in your tradition as well yeah, well, the red goddess practices or something like that. Like, right. or, or I don't know what is what did uh, what did Crowley call it the 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 scarlet women or or, but yeah. um, but yeah. So, well, in the Bajrana tradition, there's you're there's these there there are these sort of there's these these deity forms, um, which are, which, which represent what you call a mood or a rasa or a state of being or or. Or something like that, which is, I guess, that's similar to you know the. But I, I want it. But but on the other hand, they're. Yeah, they're they're. They are. Let's say, uh, um, they are a a, a, a mood or form of, of psych, not not even psychological. Psychological is too limited, of of just nature or, and you know, just what it, what it is. <laughs> so, so I think that I, I, but I, but I, I think there's a difference between, let's say, pagan gods, and that's and and that and and there's there's a slight difference here, and and that is that 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 it's combined with the sophistication of non-dual philosophy and Buddhism and and that kind of thing. So it so so th they're never fully reified as being something that's absolute or in themselves. If that makes any sense? No, not yet. I don't. Wait, wait, what what, what um, difference do you talk about? It's like. Well, I mean, I mean, we, in this society, like, like we don't, we don't worship Mercury so much, and you know, all those gods are kind of dead in, in some sense. They're they're alive in in literature and mythology and and whatever, but. Mm -hmm. Are they? No, it's like what I see is that these archetypal driving forces are still there because that's yeah they're there because they're, they're literally, always there they're literally the foundation of our individual and collective consciousness that's why the iliad is such an important book because you start to understand who you are as a westerner right okay so well, these forces are still there because if we engage in rational thinking and argumentation and discourse, then you are ruled by this archetype of mercury because these this are these are his kind of qualities sure, sure, sure. And, and, the and other... there's an equivalent mm -hmm. in the east which would be Madhushri, which would be or, or or you know sure of course but on, on the other side you have the, the the meditation on the god form which would be like an occult or, 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 or spiritual religious practice where you actually uh, delve into that kind of archetype and you get an in-depth embodiment and feeling what all these aspects and and you know worldviews of mm -hmm. of mercury are because if you mm -hmm. would if you would meditate about uh athene and uh, athene or, or persephone or zeus the, the the meditation of of zeus is the arc the meditation of the uh 
archetype of the father of all fathers. And that is such a weird experiment because normally, I think you can have it when you have a child, right? But the, then you are a father. But the er father or the er mother. But, of, if, yeah. but if you are the father, the, the truest uh, embodiment of the father archetype, that which is true for every father on earth, which mm -hmm. is Zeus, that is such a weird experience if you make these kind of you know, uh, meditation on Zeus. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's such a clear representation um, and embodiment of that feeling or, you know, like Isis or, 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 or Nuit or whatever. It's like, these are God forms that are still true and very powerful because they, they guide still our action patterns and our behaviors, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you have to bring them into, into the consciousness to to really integrate them that's what i'm saying otherwise you're still driven by them yeah but well i, I guess the difference is that in the western culture they're not explicit anywhere anymore yeah. you know, whereas if you go to nepal or, or or somewhere like that you'd have statues of vajragini that people would bow down to and and worship or kali they go into the temple and you know all we have in the west are are, are sort of churches and images of, of christ and and so so we have the the Christian tradition that's sort of taken over everything explicit in the in the yeah. in the culture. Uh, so 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 the, the you know the images of of Manjushri or or Vajrayogini or, or the the Malakalas, the fierce Malakalas, and all of these kind of Eastern images in those countries are in, in India and places like that. They're still there. They're still they're still they're still part of the culture. People still worship them. And um and and I, I guess Christianity and and monotheism would like to wipe that out. In yeah. some sense, and so it wipes that out, and then of course all of these other forces are still there. They're just yeah. not part of the explicit culture. So there may be some weird occultist practice like you <laughs> practice these uh, strange things, but but nobody in the, the general culture does. Uh, right? Are you um, familiar with Genpo Roshi? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so he had like uh, a couple of years ago, he was like in everybody's uh, uh, conversation because of his theory about big mind and big heart, you know. Yeah. And yeah. so what he would do, and I, you know, I saw some videos and read his book, and and so there's like this one famous kind of, I think it's a YouTube video, or whatever, when when he does like a big big mind uh, session with a normal journalist, right? Mm -hmm. And and so and she, she would she was agreeing doing this. And so he would kind of ask, can I speak now? So he was leading her into this. Can I speak to you to your inner critic? Can you can I speak to your inner child? Blah, 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 blah. And now then he said, Oh, um, and now I would like uh, to talk to um big mind. Right? So your inner voice of big mind, right? Mm -hmm. And suddenly her whole demeanor kind of shifted and she got through his way of leading her into that kind of state, she was suddenly um, in a state of uh, enlightenment where, you know, the, the boundaries of the ego were kind of transcended. And, and she yeah. was like, oh God, my God, what is happening? And she, she had like this super awareness for a moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing as invoking a goddess. Let's say of Nuit or of, oh, yeah. of Brahman. It's the same thing. It just has a different name, but the technique is the same. The experience is the same. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. And that's yeah. the interesting thing because if you lead somebody into Brahman or if you lead somebody into Nuit 
it's the same thing as to leading somebody into a, a sublime state of of samadhi you know it's like or you know these kind of hypnosis this kind of super awareness well it's i like guess the can... samadhi states don't have a form or they don't have a, a structure to them but whereas whereas these other things are kind of liminal forms you know uh which are between the, the samadhi right so 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 the, there's a liminality to the let's say the deity forms um uh they're they're more like portals like into 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 something which is sort of timeless and spaceless and, and into the samadhis right uh, we talk about the three samadhis you know um they're actually seven samadhis and they 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 well, walk... that's the, i mean i was talking about in in, in in the tradition of the three samadhis in, in my own particular tradition there's so first it's just space, and then there's a luminosity which appears in the space, and then there's a form, and those are you know those are those are called the three samadhis. I mean, there's yeah, there's all kinds of different ways. Of I'm looking at these but things. you're more Buddhist. I'm like more from the I'm, I'm referring more to the Hindu conception where there are like seven, and they're they're, they're differ, differentiate you know they're going from the more you know from the more um, what what is it called? They 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 moved in from the non dual to the more yeah, in the, yeah more into the non dual more into the the chaotic and luminous kind of thing. You know, it's mm -hmm. like the first samadhi is when you what is the word for that? If you um, if you have some in German you call it Stütze. It's called when you when you need a a, a mental image as a help to get into that kind of state. Yeah, yeah, or it's an icon or something like it's a yeah, it's yeah. A that's, portal. But that's just the first. That's just the first samadhi in Hinduism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and then sure. the, the seventh is just like complete uh, void, no, uh, you know, vo void, non-duality, chaos, all at once and everywhere at the same time. Mm? Sure, sure. I mean, that's yeah. That would be in, in the Jewish tradition. They call it kether or. You know, the, the formless, the ultimate formless state. So you're moving from a more, well, there's the non-duality of the whole thing, right? Yeah. Um, there's form and the gross forms and, and the earth and the, everything that's everything that's embodied and, and then moving up to, to non-duality. But but then there's a non-duality of the forms and the, and, and the non-forms at the same time. So there's, you, you can get caught in this sort of reifying the forms so I think this is one of the problems with like daily practice. If it's if you don't if you reify the forms and you forget the the non-duality, then then you then you then you um then you're more in a, in a, in a, in a pr primitive version of that. Yeah, but but I, what I, what what I was trying to say is that you know that in the in this hermetic kind of traditions you have god forms that mm -hmm. kind of overlay with these kind of big love, big mind super super samadhi kind of states and so while you while you entering and and while you're connecting with the god form you you are kind of um leaving the the boundaries of the ego kind of behind you know yeah i mean that's why that's why the goddess has a butcher's knife and and yeah and, and she's carrying a, a bowl of nectar and yeah. she's 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 naked and she has jewels and uh, you know made of bones yeah dancing on a sun yeah all of those things like it sounds very mythological and kind of like you know cool and, and but then each of those those symbols have have a, have, a, have a secondary meaning and a third meaning and a fourth meaning they all have a particular um cosmic you know meaning and then and then that particular red goddess 
fits within a mandala of of all these other beings and and so it's, but and it's it's the whole world like you know um uh the 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 whole the whole it's the whole world represented you know in in primordial sort of energies energies and it's also dynamic and 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 creating itself in every moment you know yeah, i was thinking the, about like osiris right osiris was like imprisoned um uh by his brother seth and he was mutilated and dismembered and you know um and then he was resus re resuscitated and all of these like and then and then um uh and then so the, so he's he exists in fragments and 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 it's it's a metaphor for the spiritual practice where we're trying to put all these fragments together and bring the universe back into a into a state of you know into a symphonic sort of wholeness. Yeah, that was waxing poetically quite a bit, but no, I, I mean, like you know, I was going going back to the idea of the interconnectedness of the different archetypes, you know. So mm -hmm. I was I was thinking. There, there was this new interview with Daniel Schmachtenberger and he, he was asked one of these kind of uh, bland questions. So what, what could we do? What could the, the individual do? Uh, to What can we do to fix the world? Yeah. yeah. And so he was kind of, he was like uh, kind of saying, Oh no, it's like, that's such, such, such a cringy question, but you know, it's like the, the one thing I, I could uh, that he said I, that I could recommend is like literally try to, understand where your opponent or enemy is like coming from from which kind of worldview right it's like it's like we have all these different crises and on one side you know there are the climate deniers and there are like the climate uh, um, you know uh, advocates and then there are like the people on two sides of you know basically everything and so we are still kind of bound to our perspective without really 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 understanding where the other person is coming from from which kind of vantage point mm -hmm, right and mm -hmm. so like um and unless we are not able to do so um we 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 won't heal the world so we're stuck in a mono perspective yeah and so it's like when you look at the iliad and how all these different archetypes play out none of them is evil in itself yeah right if you if you look at the conflict between patroclus and and hector and hector and and uh, uh achilles and achilles and menelaus and menelaus agamemnon and all of these things they're not they're not evil they're just different action patterns different vantage points and only by understanding where all all these vantage points coming from or where they are the the whole tapestry of life kind of emerges and so it's like of course you know, we can't say that the people that, you know, are, are critical of the government and the people that are kind of in favor of the actions of the government, that they're, that they're evil sides. We're like kind of thrown in this kind of me, you kind of perspective. But there, there is a valid point to the experience of the of the other person. It's such a dumb thing, thing to point out, but it's still very true because, no. you know, all the things going on with the culture war and whatnot, it's just, just our inability to understand um how all these things come together and play out with each other, all these kind of energies and worldviews. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. I, I think something that Daniel said, which I thought was very good, he talked about how um, every perspective is limited. So so we can never get an ultimate perspective of the world. What we do is we put together a lot of different perspectives. 
So, um, so, so, so we take a lot of perspectives and then we get a, a high dimensional picture of the world. Like if we see a rectangle, right, it's, it, it looks two dimensional and see, ah, oh, that's the rectangle, but, but actually it might be a cylinder because, you know, if we look at it in three dimensions, so that the rectangle people argue with the circle people because they're living in a, in a, in a, in a flatland two dimensional reality, whereas, you know, Whereas we have to we have to put a lot of perspectives together to get a, a, a dimensional picture of the world, and um, so we put a lot of fragmented pieces together. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm picturing I was looking at the tarot, all the tarot cards, just throw them in, the, and they're all in pieces, but they actually form a whole somehow. They right. form a whole mandala, right? Right. Um, they form a totality, but we we put and, and each one in themselves is not is not a picture of the world. But each one contains a sort of reflection of a picture of the world, and we put all of these different pictures of the world, like putting together Osiris, and then we get a, a deeper, a deeper uh, perspective. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's not that that's the perspective of truth. It's that it's 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 uh, it's just a deeper dimension of re of of the real. It's which is a which is a lot of different perspectives put, put together. Um, um so yeah, yeah so i like to listen to sometimes Andrew, I listen, listen to... it's not just it's not just putting different perspectives together it's the realization that every perspective only gets its vantage point through the through its position in the tapestry of other perspectives because yeah, that's yeah. what the iliad is about it's like what you said in the beginning so the fate of one man is highly dependent of the fate of everybody else Right. Yeah, and it's so, Indra's net kind of thing. Everything is reflected within everything else. Yeah. Yeah. No, you but know, Indra, it's all, only constitutional because if everybody oh. has like the the perspectives B, C, D, and E, there has to be somebody who embodies the perspective A, right? And so it's like, and everything plays and belongs together. Oh, right. So we're back to fates again. It's like people are fated to their own perspective. Like, like I'm fated to have this particular perspective. I'm looking out of a window into a garden. That's that's the perspective, and I'm sitting in my little office. That's my perspective, and I can't have your perspective. And so we all have, you know, we all have our, our unique perspective. Um, but we only uh, have it because other people have their perspective as well. And so it's that's what I mean. The archetypes are there because there are other archetypes, and it's kind of redundant. Mm -hmm. what i mean yeah. you know it's like sure, the fate sure. of achilles is only there because hector has to fulfill his, his fate yeah. and because paris has to uh, uh fulfill his fate and so only jordan peterson is only there because he sorry to, to jump but he mm -hmm. only the right-wing pundits and jordan peterson not only there because the social justice warriors are there because the exactly uh, you know all of these all of these all of these you know dynamic tensions you know um yeah as, as, off, to, as to quote Spock, uh, the, the nature uh, abhorrence the vac vacuum it's like nature you can't have, a vacuum mm -hmm. you can't have one without two that's what i mean yeah. you can't have the one without the two it's like you need you need the um it's like a, a lock key kind of phenomenon you know they both <laughs> enable each other in a kind of way and so it's like in, in the tarot as well you have 78 cards and none of this card makes really sense 
for herself you need to see itself, it yeah. in the context of of tarot or if you if you shuffle the uh, the, the letters around of rota which means it goes around it goes around and yeah. it makes if it's like yeah. the, the 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 fool and the what is it the 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 the, the princess of of cups which is the last card mm -hmm. they they belong together in the because it's it's the wheel that's that's spinning around and you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's well, you can you can you can map them all out into a big wheel kind of thing. And they, they it's, actually, as in, Jodorowsky makes it into the storm of the swastika uh, because oh, the swastika is tur turning. <laughs> what you know? I mean, it, it used to be a symbol of Christ, the swastika. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so, but so, it was the uh, other way around. It was the sun symbol. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the sun. It was a symbol of all kinds of you know good things at, at one point, but but uh, but uh, but. But but the, it's a dynamic wheel. It's not a static yeah. cosmos. It's a, it, it's a, and each card is sort of has something missing in it too, right? Yeah, like, we're always uh, coming uh, back to Hitler, Andrew. We always talk about yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm getting in touch with my inner Hitler. Uh, um, You're getting in I've touch with your German I, side. I feel I've, <laughs> I've been repressing my inner Hitler for so for so long, and I just, <laughs> I just mm. need to. I, I'm not going to do it on you know because I could get in trouble, but. When we're off, I'll, I'll put on some black boots and I'll, you know, march around my garden and I'll, that'll be fine and I'll be okay after that. Yeah. No, but yeah. it's like, you know, going back, I think the, the, there's an idea that it's called uh, individualism, which is a rough, uh, like an idea which is roughly two, three hundred years old. But it mm -hmm. kind of uh, obtuse, is that the word? Of, like to, to, is obtuse a word? Um, to it, it Obtuse, kind of, sure. Mm hmm it it kind of uh, obtuses the fact that you know our actions uh, is highly independent and interdependent of the actions of everybody else you know so mm -hmm. it's it's kind of an illusion it's like a it's like a, it's a surplus of cognitive energy um you know oh it's like me i me mine i do my things but really you are embedded into into culture into archetypes into your social networks and it's like um yeah there's this kind of like mythology about breaking out of the matrix or something right which is a very dualistic point of view isn't it like okay we're we're stuck in this matrix we have to break out of the matrix and be revolutionaries and become free like the movie right right but you never break out of the matrix you just break out of one matrix and find yourself in another matrix right maybe you maybe you find yourself in a new and improved matrix you know that's possible but you're never going to break out of the matrix <laughs> because the right. matrix is the interdependence of all things, right? It's like, it's the, you know, you know, I guess, I guess maybe ultimate enlightenment might be a, a full escape from the matrix and that you're, you're no longer bound by, by the, um, I mean, you're no longer bound by the same laws yeah, as the rest of us. Like you break out of, like you're like, uh, uh, um, you know, like the fool has no number. He's he's not even in the in the number game. In the no, well, but I also think no, he's the like, numberless. I think that's one one side. The other side, you know, you're talking about the you know that non-dual kind of uh, uh, liberation. But then there's there's the other side. How do you engage in the world? You know, with what kind of mindset? And I think like if you if you are able to hold um, the you know the 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 tarot or the rota or the iliad or if you hold that that very basic idea if you're able to hold that in your mind that mm -hmm. you're not an individual it's like your fate is is dependent on the fate of everybody else 
right? And so it's, it's, it's not a singular thing. If, so if you hold the, the multitude of complex phenomena, if you can hold them in your hand without being attached to certain ideas or memes or, you know, fates or whatever, and, and, and able to fulfill your fate maybe in the awareness that, well, I have to play that game, right? Yeah. yeah. Without I being too attached. Hmm? I was just reading something um, about, uh, about Orensoff. Um, and about what? Uh, you know, the, in the Jewish uh, tradition, um, it was a quote from. Uh, what is it? Oh, I have to find this because I think this is very good. Where is it? Well, it was something about not getting, uh, yeah. Not getting caught up in the in the uh, in the multiplicity and remembering the the unity or something like that, right? Right. So your root of the it says your root of your meditation should be continually bound and unified with everything, and soft. Be careful mm -hmm. not to cut the shoots thinking about one sefirah or another. Rather, your thought should be continually unified with and soft, and there you will spread out and draw down the branch. From your thought, the aspect of Yahweh upon which you meditate. Right. <laughs> Sorry, this was like like anyway, that's pretty um esoteric, but but the idea is that there's this multiplicity and we can get completely lost in the multiplicity. And the, and the meditation practice is like remembering the unity within the multiplicity. It's not favoring the unity over the multiplicity, it's the non-duality of duality and non-duality, right? It's the yeah, it's the uh, it's just so you 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 know you get caught in all these dramas and you and, you, and how to live in the world and do this and that, and then you come back to this ultimate unicity. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, you could you could forget about how to live in the world and just fall into the non-dual state, which would be kind of a psychedelic state, or it would be like you're you're just lost, right? You're just mentally ill. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the, but then there's the provisional daily things you have to do to like construct an ego and build a you know run a business and whatever it is yeah